Hello everyone, you're listening to Game Rivals, a podcast where a Nintendo fan and a PlayStation fan talk about the latest games and happenings in the gaming community and industry. I'm one of your hosts, Maximilian X, and together with Sean Templar, we bring you this bi-weekly podcast about video games. Welcome to a new episode of the Game Rivals. Today I'm here with my mighty fine friend Maximilian X. How are you doing, my friend? It's been so long. Hey, Sean Templar. Yeah, it's been a while. Um, actually, a bit shorter since last time we recorded a little bit late. But yeah, I actually haven't seen you in quite a while. Um, I'm good. How are you? I'm great. Thank you for asking. And I think you're going to be even better when, once we start talking about our first segment. Because uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. I know you're all excited to amaze everybody about uh, Nintendo Direct, which was, uh, I believe, last week? Yeah, it was uh, the day before uh, Valentine's Day, the, the, the 13th. Um, oh, nice. Local time here, 11 p.m. So, um, Europe, for those who are wondering. Uh, yeah. We had a Nintendo Direct dropped on us, like, I think 48 hours before it actually dropped, we got an announcement. And I mean, there were already rumblings and rumors, and uh, basically this has been a long time coming since there were already rumblings and rumors that we were going to get a Nintendo Direct in January. That fell through, mostly because of the delay of uh, Metroid Prime 4. So, yeah... This this uh, Nintendo Direct has been a long time coming, and well, the general consensus on the internet was, this is a really good direct, and I tend to have to agree with them on this one. I mean, there were some I... some slow points in there, but like the overall direct was good. Um, was this, by the way, your like your first time watching a direct, or like at yeah, least live? I've never... I've never watched the direct, and this is the first one, so I really had no idea what to expect. Yeah, and since and, since uh, Sony doesn't do stuff like this, you're missing out on like yeah. really good stuff. But you missed. I like, think Sony does better stuff than this, but you know, differences of opinion. I guess. Well, to be fair, you know, like, we haven't had like a presentationally wise, really fun direct since Iwata died. Rest in peace, Iwata. Is there a reason why they switched to? Uh, because they've been doing this for a couple of years. Oh yeah. Now. yeah, yeah. Is there a reason why they switched to this format instead of just doing the big E3 press conference uh, once a year or well, Tokyo Game Show stuff? a few reasons come to mind. I mean, they... Well, the official line is, of course, that they want to be able to um, connect directly to the fans um, in a more frequent way instead of like just waiting for E3 and letting it all out then and then basically having nothing mm-hmm. for... Mo- like most of the year now they can strategically announce stuff so you have like these regular directs but sometimes when a game is going to come out and it's a high profile game they'll have like a mini direct specifically for that game or that multiple cool. ones uh leading up to the game's launch like for example super smash Bros. ultimate had um i think at least three of its own directs that were specifically for that and wow. um, even like with Super Smash Brothers for Wii U and 3DS, they did the same thing. They did the same thing for, um, I don't think they did the same thing for Breath of the Wild. They did do the same thing for, oh, what's the last time they did something like this? They did the same thing for um, that spin-off of Shimakami Tensei that came out for Wii U. 
the leading up to that point, they had like mini directs for that as well. Um, back when Mario Kart 8 was coming out, they had mini directs leading up to that as well, and so on and so on. But basically, um, the format has changed since um, they started doing it because it used to be presented by Awada-san, um, mm-hmm. the, the then president of uh, Nintendo uh, Limited. Um, and then when he passed away, they, they, it, they spent a lot of time retooling it and seeing what fits best. So now we're in this place where they'll um, highlight some big games. And in between that, they'll have uh, like news, like news clips of uh, other game, other like smaller games in between. So that's basically what the structure is uh, has been for some time now. Except for when they do it for E three, when that's when they change it up a bit. So okay, yeah. And the the person that is uh, that was presenting it was he is he the current CEO or was he like no, a producer or a game developer? He's or? the um, he's the di- what you say? yeah he's the producer of the Switch. So basically, he okay. was. Um, I guess you would like what Mark Cerny is for the PlayStation, maybe. Exactly, yeah. But he's been with okay. the company for forever, so. Um, mm, okay. So yeah, he was the he the, this time he was the one that helmed the the, the, the hardware project, and yeah, yeah. I mean, he's cool. Like the the um, the reveal event for Switch, he was the guy that announced it along with then uh, President Kimishima, who retired like last year. Mm-hmm. So and he had like this really cool like inter. <sighs> what should I call it? So when they showed off the Joy Cons and what it could do, specifically the HD Rumble, they made it look like he was doing this like magic show and had all these cool special <laughs> effects. And dude, honestly, after the after this, I'm gonna send you at least that part so that you can see it because it's amazing that's that's the level of presentation that we used to get from directs now it's kind of just more you know get to it get to the games which is great and we're gonna get into the games because oh boy this direct (laughs) was so good um i don't even know where to start you know what let's start at the beginning and then um we're gonna go through that and you can tell me like how you fought which what you thought of each game. So let's start with the first one. Super Mario Maker 2. Like, they started off hard. They started off good. They showed off immediately. The first thing that a lot of people were complaining about, including myself, was missing from the first game. Slopes. You could not make slopes in the first game. Now you can make slopes. So now you can have ups and downs that are like like in a rhythm. So you can keep momentum through your stages. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, I mean, because you... I didn't play the first one, but, like, I saw the trailer for Super Mario Maker 2, and I'm like, okay, this looks nice. It kind of reminded me a bit of a Little Big Planet, but... Uh, but better. It's, of course, uh, something else. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, because Little Big Planet was a 2D platformer that used 3D assets. This is pure 2D platformer. Okay. Yeah. And... So, th- yeah, right off the bat, because the rumors have been going around since the Switch got announced that there would be a Mario uh, Maker 2. But there's a, there's still, like, a ton of questions about Mario Maker 2 that we don't have the answer to. So, for example, um, one key point of Mario Maker was that it used Miiverse. 
the social media platform that Nintendo made specifically for um, Wii U and 3DS, which doesn't exist anymore. It's just gone. They retired it after the Switch launched. And I think it was before the... No, after the Switch launched. Yeah. And the, the reason why that was a big blow to that game specifically is because when you share a level... Uh, of Mario Maker, you can actually comment on the level, you can like it, you can share it through Miiverse. And now that's gone, so we don't know how that's going to work with Nintendo Switch Online. Hopefully they found a way around that, because it would be really disappointing if they didn't. But yeah, that trailer was like, dope. I, I like, nice. I don't know. It's just it, it, was, it was awesome. <laughs> it was awesome. I'm really okay. hoping... I'm really hoping, though, that they add more... Because they already added something else other than, like, new tiles and new enemies. They also added... Um, what is it called again? Oh, they added new Super Mario 3D World, like, um, assets from the, Wii U ga- from the Wii game. So I'm actually kind of hoping that they add stuff like uh, 3D... Like, um, from the Game Boy game. So, like, no, not necessarily... Not necessarily Super Mario Land, but Super Mario Land 2. Uh, what else? Su- no, not Super Mario Land 3, because that was just Wario Land. Uh, Will the game get any downloadable content, or is that like not a structure they will uh, pursue? Mm. Well, the last game used Amiibos to do that, and they did update the game with more assets. But other than that, I don't know. I think we have to wait until July to find out. So okay. yeah, I mean, yeah. What what do you think of it? I mean, you haven't played one yet. It, yeah, I, like I've never s- played these games before. I, what the first one was on the Wii or the Wii U? The Wii U, yeah. yeah. So like it it really looked fun and um, it's cool to see like that it had like a two D kind of Mario but also had, like a three D kind of Mario yeah. so like different sp- styles of Mario games. Yeah, you can change um, those on the fly. By the way, while you're editing, oh, that's nice. you can change from yeah. Super Mario Brothers to Super Mario World to Super Mario Brothers three. Um, and in the f- previous game it was New Super Mario Brothers, but it looks like they okay. either changed that to Super Mario three D World or they added. Super Mario 3D World as an option, so I'm not 100 percent sure on that. Hopefully, we'll find about we'll find out about it as we head into E3. But yeah, that that was awesome because you can start making a level as a Super Mario Bros. level, 8 bit, and then just click on a button in the interface, click on New Super Mario Bros. It'll instantly switch to that. All the assets change. The assets that didn't exist in that game will be, like, transformed into an asset that did exist in the other game. Oh, cool. So, yeah, that's really cool. Especially now because they have the freaking son from Super Mario Bros. 3. <laughs> you can troll so many people with that thing. Ah, oh, can't wait for that. Nice. Yeah. I see, like, a, I have a list in front of me with a lot of other games as well, so... Um are there any, like uh, some of the games I know, some of the games I don't know. Yeah, there are some names on it, in which I thought like, mm, okay, so this is finally coming to the Switch. Well, um, which one? For example, Grid Auto Sport, which is I believe a PlayStation Three game. You sure about I that? I was kind of, I think it, I like I can remember it was made by Codemasters, 
and I can't remember that it came out last gen, I believe. And I was kind of surprised to see it pop up on the Switch. You're like, huh, okay, this is uh, a cash grab, I think. No, 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 no. You I believe it. Even, I believe the game's even been brought to like, yeah, it's like um, racing video game developed by Codemasters, available for Microsoft Windows, PlayStation Three, Xbox Three Sixty. Linux and other platforms. When did this come out then? Uh, twenty four June, two thousand fourteen. Oh, right. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean that at least that. This is what I mean. No, with but, no, no like, but hang on. At least that game looked decent. Assassin's Creed Three looked hella bad. In that presentation. Well, I, I don't. I know, I've seen. Uh, um, it looked hella bad. Like the it was PlayStation footage. Come on. Yeah, but like the PlayStation footage looks fine. I, Dude, I, I played case, that. It could be I like have a limitation of the. I of the have Switch. that game on Wii U. It runs better on that. Okay. Come well, on. It runs better on Wii than the footage, than the footage. Maybe it was the footage. I don't know, but it looked terrible. It looked bad. That yeah. that looks like a cash grab, especially since dead it by especially since it got announced for the other platforms in January, and now they're announcing it for Switch. Yep. Eh. But like another game which looked really bad was uh, Dead by Daylight. It really looked like a Oof. PS2 game. I like I, when I saw it, I was like, okay, wow, this is. I think this would. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm not even gonna bother, you know. Okay, but to be fair, one, it's an indie title, and two. It was out on PC. I haven't seen the. I haven't looked up the PC. It's also available like, on the PlayStation. Well, have you played it on you PlayStation? You got it for free. Yeah, like I played it once or twice. It's like you got it free with the. Uh, Did it look PlayStation Plus? I believe. Yeah. It looked a lot better than this. Okay, then that means that they. But it's coming out in October, so maybe this is early footage. Yeah, but like for example, um, Se uh, Hellblade: Anyone Sacrifice is another game that's coming. They, they showed in this. That uh, looked great. And that really looks nice. Yeah. yeah so I'm, I'm, a, I'm a bit surprised about like the, the big difference, the big contrast between the way certain games look. I, and then I wonder like, is it a case of them not wanting to put in the effort or is it an optimization thing or is it? Like it has, you know, but it has to be like the developers on that one, right? So, I mean, yeah. be mostly because here's the thing, because um, Hellbrite, Senua's Sacrifice, is a Ninja Theory game. And yeah, we all know that... Which is now owned by Microsoft. <laughs> exactly. So, what... It's kind of cool that Microsoft allows it, though. Well, that's the thing. Because Ninja Theory published that game themselves. So that means that they flat out own the rights to that. Regardless yeah. if they're owned by Microsoft or not. So the question is, were they given permission to publish on Switch or not? That's the real question. Maybe they had this, maybe had they had this project going for months... Before they even got acquired by Microsoft, it is a possibility. I'm just saying. So maybe that's the route that it went, and that's why it's coming out now. Who knows? Well, like uh, Minecraft is also available on the Switch, I believe. Yeah, but that's just more. And, uh, that's also but that's available. That's on more the than Microsoft flexing their muscles. I feel. Yeah, but like I think that. And that's funny. Like that maybe doesn't completely related to this, but it's funny to see that like the Microsoft we have today is a Microsoft, which is like this pro, 
hey, we just want to play with everybody and we just want to share our stuff with everybody because we believe <laughs> that by sharing our stuff with everybody, everybody gets happier. And in the end, it's about being happy in the biz instead of making the most money in the biz, which I personally think is like a whole load of crap because they're losing, they lost this generation. So it's their like excuse to say like, Oh, but cross-platform play, we encourage that because then we can share stuff. Yeah. Whereas if they were in the first place, they never would have encouraged it. They'd say like, no, man, we don't want to because we don't. We want people to play it on Xbox because that's the best place to play. Yeah, but Microsoft is playing... Right like, here's the thing. Yes, they essentially f- finished second in this generation. But you have to realize that they're getting prepped and ready to move on to the next generation. This is the long game because what they have in store, like they, because when they said, because be, let, let, let's go back to 2013, when they announced the Xbox One and they were all about um, cloud computing and, and cloud gaming and con- and connect, but who cares? Um, <laughs> the one, the one, on. the one thing that they've they have been like serious about constantly is the whole cloud gaming thing. I mean. Like, which do, we're finally like, seeing need, with it, Crackdown Three. No, but no, 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 not Crackdown Three. I'm talking about availability of games. Like, if you even look at games, like games for Xbox, or sorry, Games Pass. Why did I say Games for Xbox? Game Pass. The, yeah. If you look at games, like the way game Games Pass works, that is what they're going for. That is the de- direction that they want to go with, and you're gonna see that in their next gen console. Especially if you like listen to all the rumors about that, it's gonna like that's the re- that's the way they're going for. And the only way you can go forward with that is you if you embrace cross-platform play. So, yeah. yeah. But yeah, like I understand that cross-platform play is something that is like you, we we can't live without it anymore. It's something that's just going to become more important. Someone more tell more, that to like, Sony, please. Yeah, we know, we know, but like. The funny thing is, is that um, the the way they're kind of like encouraging it or the way they're kind of like bringing out the messaging is like they're really playing in on that Sony is the bad guy in this case and that they are not. Whereas like they would have done the same thing if they were in the lead because the last generation they were like... The roles have been opposite. I've mentioned this before. Sony is now Microsoft of the previous generation, and Microsoft is Sony of the of the previous generation. So like they've completely flipped the roles, you know. Yeah, but, but that's that. But that's like but come on, that's the... not enough because, like, of all companies, Nintendo is in on the cross on the crossplay thing, and Sony isn't. Of all but the I think companies, for Nintendo, it's like more of a Nintendo, thing. Like, the family friendly company, is about yeah. crossplay. Really? Yeah, but it's Come because on. of relevance. Because like, they're, Nintendo has always done its own thing. Yeah, so exactly. Like, Thank you. Exactly that. Exactly that. So like, but them doing crossplay is like weird, a small right? Thing to do. It should For be weird. It's like, if we support crossplay, you know, we've never taken a stance on it. We encourage uh, playing with friends or family. That's why we have the Joy Cons. So it naturally fits within their in their philosophy because they are already kind of like trying to bring people together and. This way they can see it like, hey, you know what? Let's just, it, it doesn't take us a lot of effort. It doesn't take us a lot of money. We don't care about revenue in a way that Sony does because, you know, yeah, we, but if you ask we the, make our own stuff. But if you ask the developer in the 80s or 90s about Nintendo's, like, practices when it comes to game publishing, 
they would totally say like that the Nintendo from then would not make the decisions that the Nintendo of now is making anyways. And I think that like the, part of that is because of changed leadership. I mean, like Iwata-san did amazing stuff for the company, but since he passed away, God rest his soul. I mean, like it has opened Nintendo up for other things, like Nintendo's moving into mobile. And I yeah, I but think that was a move that was already started by him. He spearheaded know, that before he passed on. I know, but like it feels like the that it's more it's it's opening up to more Western stuff. It's more. It's m- focusing more on, on including Western stuff instead of just saying, like, we're a Japanese company, we make Japanese stuff, and the world just have to accept the way we make things, and that's it, you know? And it feels like they're they're changing with the times instead of just forging well, their own path and then saying, like, oh, we'll do what we want to do because that's what we've been doing for a hundred years. But again, that's also one of the things I want to spearhead it before he passed away, which is opening up the company to more opportunities. Hence stuff like Nintendo Directs and hence stuff presentations like this. Because to him, he realized that just relying on what they've been doing for the past 30 years was not enough. They have all these IPs and they weren't doing anything with them except making games and the occasional uh, toy or whatever that they would occasionally bring out. Because... And he realized that they needed to branch out more. It's the reason why we have the movie, the Mario, the the, the Mario movie with Illumination. Ugh. And the thing that I'm way Is more a Mario movie. Yeah, it's in the works by the guys that made Minions. The less we talk oh about, the less we talk about that, the better. Um, but basically, oh my god! But basically, they're working on that. They're working on the theme parks with Universal. They're um, doing. For example, as we come back, we come back to where we've been talking about the direct Starlink Battle for Atlas has exclusive content on the Switch with Star Fox, and they are adding Yay. more Star Fox stuff, dude. This is the Star Fox game that people have been jonesing for for years, especially since Star well, Fox. Net, Star Fox Zero wasn't a Star Fox. Honestly, just like they did with the Rayman and the and the rabbits on, and the Mario. Look, honestly, uh, at this point, they might as well. Because people, like at least from what I've heard, people really dig it, and it looks awesome. But the, I'm all like I'm like this close to just like going to like my nearest my local game store and picking up a copy of that game because with that content coming up in April, I'm like okay, okay, like that, like that, and the fact that it also comes with an R ring that you can like build and stuff it's kind of awesome <laughs> yeah i i think I, I think i may have to dip my toe into this in the into the starlink uh pool i'm kind of surprised you haven't already but uh yeah i mean i, I mean i wanted to but i i don't know the whole toys to life genre is mm, so i i don't know it's, okay but okay. with all this content i feel like now now I have to try it. Plus, it's it's like in most places it's like discounted anyway, so I could probably yeah, pick it up, up for so, so for at least like a decent price. So okay. yeah, I mean I'll definitely do. I, I'll look into that um, sometime soon. Um, but going back to where I see we're, some other names. Yeah. Yeah. Like what? Like what? No, like maybe I, like I'm just seeing this as an outsider, and I think that you might want to shed a little bit more light on some other big names. Some of them I've, I've 
heard of before, and some of them are like like Final Fantasy Nine. Shadow drop. <laughs> oh no! Wait, sorry. Okay, so apart from like that, actually leads to another thing about this direct. They had a lot of shadow drops. Final Fantasy Nine, boom, immediately available that day on Switch. Uh, Yoshi's Crafted World had a demo after the presentation, which is awesome because Yoshi's Crafted World is fun. It's lighthearted. It's multiplayer. Or sorry, it's Demon co-op. X, uh, the Damon well, X Machina prototype. Oh my goodness, that game! I've been looking forward to that ever since they announced that. Finally got to play it. You know what they did? What Anthem didn't do with their beta? Put in a tutorial. They fucking put in a tutorial. Oh my god! I used, oh sorry, sorry. No, this is not an explicit um, podcast. Dang it! I'll have to try and censor that. But yes, they put they in a. Tu- yeah, I'll have to bleep it out. It's okay. I'll, I'll uh, edit it in post. <laughs> but they put in a like a very simple tutorial just on the screen. This is what these buttons do. You're good. And then some tr- like training missions to like flesh out the more intricate battle stuff and you're good you're golden that game is so good like i mean there are still things that it needs to be fixed but um but they asked like during the direct the 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 director was it the director yeah the director was like yeah we want your feedback we'll be sending out uh surveys which apparently people have started receiving those surveys i haven't but they're also saying like please let us know on social media let us know on twitter like about your experience has been what you liked about it what you didn't like about it and we'll take all that feedback and use that stuff which is the same thing that um square did when they brought out um the demo for octopath traveler last year so oh that's nice so, you know, they are actively taking feedback, which is awesome. Um, other titles of note, the best Battle Royale game this side of the internet, <laughs> Tetris 99, best game of all time, goes Battle Royale, and it's awesome. You actually get to see all the other people that you're playing against, and you can target them, you can take them out with your line garbage, they can take you out with your line garbage, I keep getting targeted by people who take me out with their line garbage. Seriously, like, they keep ganging up on me. Like, one match, I had, like, ten people ganging up on me on the same time, which is unfair. Maybe those are people that are uh, listening to our podcast and think, like, hey, let me take a beat at this guy. No, but you can't see their names. You can only see their boards. Oh. Yeah. Oh, okay. So you uh, you can see the game that they're playing, but you can't see the name attached to it. But isn't it a bit too uh, crowded that way? Because uh, you can, it's like a 99 no, because, no, player, because you're, 100 player. No, because you're essentially playing multiplayer Tetris, except it's against 98 other people. But doesn't it like cloud up your screen? Or is it nah, not nah. managed properly? No, nah, I mean, you have your main board in the center, and then you have uh, an even split of players on either side of your screen. So you can like quickly glance left and right to see like what games are being played. And still okay. have, like, the focus on your own board. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Tetris. Like, I, I'm going to have to I'm gonna have to get you to play that because it is awesome. <laughs> Another thing that they also... Um, uh, what else did they shadow drop? So they did Final Fantasy IX. They did Tetris. 
and they did Yoshi, and they did Damon X Machina. So those are the things that they shadow drop. But the big pieces in those in in the direct were uh, Fire Emblem Three Houses, which they yeah. finally shed some light on that, and that looks really interesting with um, you being the main character and like being this uh, teacher that you know that that has to choose one of these three houses to um, teach and essentially bring up. People are calling it basically Harry Potter, um, Harry Potter Fire Emblem <laughs> it Edition. Look, it kind of looked like it kind of did, but it looks interesting, and I'm kind of curious. It also kind of reminds me of like Career Chronicles Two, um, because that one was more like co- not college, but like academy based, like in that sentence. Um, what hell? What else did we uh, talk about? Oh, right, they also uh, showed more information about Dragon Quest Eleven. Definitive edition. The Switch gets the <laughs> final essay. Yeah. Yay. Dragon Quest comes home to roost on Nintendo Switch. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Ooh. Looks great. Has all the best options because it has the... Um, Japanese voice. It has the Japanese voices. It has the the orchestral and the MIDI soundtrack. So you can choose. Plus, you can switch from HD to 16-bit graphics, which is a feature that they pulled from the 3DS version, which was uh, Japan only. So that's Mm. actually cool. A few things also as well. They talked about a new Box Boy, Box Girl puzzle game. Really good. was originally a um, a trilogy on the 3DS. So this is the first Switch game for that, which is cool. And it also has uh, dual co-op play, which is cool. And then the other big thing, Astral Chain from Platinum Games. Like, just, no, there was zero rumors on that one. Like, zero. Yeah, Nobody really knew nice. about it that really one. Nice. And then they started yeah. showing it off. It's like, what is this? Is this is this Monolith Soft? Is this, like, the follow-up to Xenoblade? I thought it was a Square game at first uh, when I saw it. Really? Uh, yeah, because I kind of felt like it matched the style of one of the... You know, kind of like a Final Fantasy game, or like it, it. I thought, oh, this is something, something from From Software, maybe, or from Square Enix, or something. Yeah. Ah, uh, but the, yeah, I'm really curious about that game. I'm really curious about that game. That, that, that that's gonna be awesome. And Can I just say that, like, Dragon Quest Builders? I played that on the on the PlayStation, and I played it on the Switch. Mm-hmm. I never bought bought the full game, but like, I really had fun playing the demo. Yeah. And when I saw that the that the second one is coming to the Switch as well, I was like. Okay, this this could be cool. This could be like a, re- a game that I would want to play on the go. I don't know if people like are excited for that game. Oh, people are excited for it that. Look nice. Yeah, people yeah. are excited for that. It it is kind of a shame that it's coming out in the summer, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, I played the Japanese demo on on my, on my Switch like a couple of months ago, and the gameplay is still solid. So actually, if anything, the gameplay has been like tightened up. The frame rate has definitely been tightened up. Um, nice. So that's good. Um, and last but not least, Legend of Zelda: Link's Awakening. OMG, <laughs> that game, game of the year, 2019. Calling it right now. Calling Is it, it right now. This year? Yeah, it's 2019. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that was the perfect way to uh, end. I've seen grown men and women weep when that game got announced. Weep really? like actual like I saw reaction videos of people, they were like tears of joy coming from their okay. eyes. And I'm not gonna lie, I may have let out a squeal. 
that was very prepubescent. <laughs> When I realized okay. what I, it I know was. that people did that with uh, when The Last of Us 2 was announced a couple of years ago, PlayStation Experience. I saw a reaction video, and a lot of people did that as well. So yeah, I because kinda, it's something that, dude, this game like this game has been rumored for a long time, and people were thinking like it's going to come to the 3DS, and now it's mm-hmm. on Switch, and it looks so cute and so good, <laughs> and everybody's just like, and I think it's going to come out sooner than a lot of people think even though they gave it like this bold 2019 um, release date, I think we might actually get it. Well, this is my 100% speculation. This is not fact. This is just me speculating, is that we might even get it either before or after E3. Okay, that would be cool. That would be cool. But then again, the summer is kind of filled with a lot of Switch games, so they might bring it out a bit later or they might bring it out a bit sooner. I don't know. But, the, yeah, Link, Link's Awakening. Oh, my God, that game. So good. It's, it's so nice to finally see that game getting its due. Yeah. Nice. All right. Is there any last mention you want to do? I saw Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3 on there. Um, something with Super Smash. Looks uh, good. The Super Smash Spring Update coming before the end of April, they said. But they didn't say anything. So... Yeah, like they showed a little bit of Joker, like the back of Joker, uh, the the character model that's going to be in Smash and like, that's it. I mean, the fangirls were probably like completely squeeing about that one. But um, <laughs> yeah, so I mean, there are like a bunch of other games like Deltarune getting announced for like Switch. Um, I actually bought um, uh, Undertale finally on Switch. But we're going to talk about that later and what you've been playing. So, um, yeah, like a bunch of other games. Uh, Unravel 2 is coming to Switch. Rune Factory 4, uh, the port of that, and Rune Factory 5. Uh, a new game from the guys that made uh, I Am Satsuna called Oni, Oninaki, which looks interesting. Um, great that you talked about. Updates to, like, Captain Toad Treasure Tracker. Like, just like a ton of games that just got announced in 35 minutes. It's just crazy. I have to say it's like a a nice blend of a bit of third-party support and a nice blend of, like, first-party or second-party exclusive stuff. So this is like a lineup which is like, and I don't know a lot about it, but this is a nice lineup to see because it's, it has a good mix. It's not just Nintendo stuff. Not true. It's like enough yeah. variation for all players. And let's not forget, before the Direct in January, we had a lot of Shadow Drop announcements of a lot of uh, indie titles and third-party games coming to Switch. So, uh, you know, like like I said, the, the, the direct way of how Nintendo does things just means that you're going to get a lot of announcements throughout the year. So we don't know when the next one is going to gonna drop on us. Hopefully with enough time for us to prepare for it, like we did this time. So, yeah, um, I'm looking forward to it. Hopefully you'll be looking forward to them in the future as well. Yeah, definitely. Cool. That's it for this one. We'll be back after the short break. Stay with us. All right. See ya. Alrighty, welcome back everybody to our second segment. We're going to do a bit of a combo here with uh, our uh, Watch You Playing and Hidden Gem in 1. Um, I believe 
I can't remember. Did I start it off last week or did you start it uh, off last I, week? I thought I started it off, right? I think you did. Uh, yeah. Do you want do well, you want to start this off week, now? I'll just give it uh, to the stage to you this week and then uh, I'll take it from there. Okay, because I got a lot to talk about. <laughs> so let's keep... Well, I'm, I'm going to put 15 minutes on the clock and your time starts now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So um, with the direct and with the shadow drops that we got, of course, um, I had to I had to check out the demos that were brought out. So the first thing that I checked out was uh, Yoshi's uh, Crafted World, which is, uh, from what I've heard, a Nintendo game that has been built in Unreal Engine 4. Ooh, yeah, I mean, nice. the developer is a Nintendo themselves. The developer is good feel, but it is running in Unreal Engine 4, and it's running at a brisk 60 frames per second, so that is very nice. Let me just uh, quickly look that one up. I wonder, does it look nice? Yeah, it looks like. Here's the thing, video kind of doesn't do it justice. You have to see it on your own TV screen or on the Switch because it looks so tangible. Like everything looks like a real world object that was recreated in 3D, and the lighting and everything. It looks really nice, and the gameplay is. Well, the gameplay is really straightforward, but it adds a little bit of a twist in that it is essentially a 2D platformer, but you can also shoot your eggs in the depth. So you can shoot it towards the screen, or let me rephrase that. You can shoot it towards any object that is interactable in the, in the foreground or in the background. So as long as it's something that you can interact with, with your eggs, you can target that and shoot at it, which is really cool because now you kind of have like this pseudo 3D kind of effect going on in the gameplay. You have uh, Yoshi looking like the most adorable little felt stuffed animal, which <laughs> I want. I actually do own the Yoshi Woolly World Amiibo, which has actually been like crocheted, which looks really nice and feels really squishy and soft. <laughs> um i have to say it looks really nice yeah i didn't expect yeah that. it looks really nice and like people are like oh but it looks like a baby but no 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 a lot of effort went into making that game into making that game look the way it does that is not something that happens yeah, overnight really nice it really looks like someone like painstakingly crafted this diorama and they just turned yeah. it 3d which is really cool nice. and like the gameplay is nice it's not fast or anything it's really mellow and if you have kids and they're starting to learn to like platform you have the mellow mode so that they can also play along without like dying or anything like there's not even there's not even like you, you can't die in yoshi's really world i mean crafter world anyways same goes for really world you just lose all your hearts and like that's it it just affects your high score nothing more um, at least nice. for the level. So, like, if you want to do like a completionist run, you have to make sure that you don't get hit and stuff like that. But honestly, it's not that hard. Um, I do know from experience that Yoshi's Woolly World got harder with each and every world that you went to. So, here's hoping that that's the case here. The demo only had one level, but it had like two sides to it. One is the regular level, the other is the, the speed running level. So,. Did the demo have a tutorial or uh, they skip on no, that? that uh... No, I mean, it's a Nintendo game. Of course it had a tutorial. But it was very simple and straightforward. And you don't have to access it if you 
want to because it's optional. I'm just asking because, you know, like <laughs> you and Anthem, I mean, like, no, kind of hurts, I believe, no, but still, like, but uh, was, left a mark but there. But that was just, I'm sorry, I still say that, that was bad. I still did that. Like, <laughs> from, like from like from a enthusiast a- aspect, that was kind of really bad. But um, yeah, I mean, Yoshi. Of course, Yoshi's uh, Craft of World had tutorial. But you know, I've been playing uh, Yoshi games for twenty years, so you know, kind of yeah. figured out. There is one thing that they kind of messed up with, which is the button layout, because the default button layout is just awful. Basically, what you had was you had jump where you normally would tr- would tr- use to throw eggs. You had throwing eggs at grabbing like enemies and grabbing enemies. The button did something completely different, which just playing through it through the default button layout was a Herculean task because I kept making mental mistakes because... In my mind, I'm playing a Nintendo platformer, and Nintendo platformers always have the same button layout, which is why it's uniform and easy to jump into. But this one didn't. I mean, even yesterday, I was playing with one of our colleagues at work during lunch break, and she was like, oh, how am I supposed to, like, jump again? And how does that, uh, how am I supposed to use my tongue and, like, throw items? So I changed it to what it's supposed to be, and suddenly she was instantly playing it way better. And this is oh, and so this was from someone who doesn't play video games. Okay. So well, you, you can change you the controls. You can change then. the controls, thank the goodness you can change the controls. <laughs> Seriously, because if that <laughs> if that know. was the default and that was the only way you could play the game, I think that that game would just not work. But yeah, I okay. mean, yeah, Yoshi's Willy, uh, sorry, I keep making the ro- the same mistake. <laughs> Yoshi's Crafted World a demo worth checking out and the game is coming out at the end of March. Am I saying that correctly? Yeah, March twenty fourth. So that's like around the corner. So that's that's, nice. that's good. Um, the other thing that I've been playing is the Demon X Machina prototype, which, as I said before, was good. It had the tutorial, very simple, Yay! laid out how the controls worked, and from then on, you had uh, tutorial missions to explain like what kind of mission types you had, and it ends with the boss battle, which I haven't beaten yet. Because the boss has, like, this impossible, like, HP level. And I keep throwing everything at this guy. And he just won't die. It's like this really giant big backhoe with, like, spider legs and everything. And it shoots lasers at you. And then it, when you finally get to the point where, like, you've disabled all the cannons on its legs, it starts being like, oh... You're going to be like that? You think you can take me? Well, bam. Instant shield that like takes away a quarter of your health. And they have... Is it uh, co-op or can you play it in co-op? The demo is not co-op, but I believe that they said okay. that they have online elements in it, like playing online with other people. Yeah, because I can remember from the direct that they said you could play with your friends again exactly. because you saw like multiple players. Yeah, but, that, was but, that's, not that's, in the, reason, but that's not in the demo right now. Um, you can okay. ca- you can to a certain extent customize your character, so have them look different. You can oh, upgrade nice. your character. You can level them up. Uh, during battles, you um, when you destroy enemies, they drop weapons and armor, which you can pick up and use that after after you complete the mission. You can like attach it 
have better weapons that way. Um, you can modify uh, your mech to look awesome. So I'm actually really, but it it looks cool. It plays cool. The frame rate is, for the most part, okay. Uh, except for with the boss, sometimes it kind of dips, especially when he basically goes all. Sh uh, he basically goes all. Uh, what was what that anime called again? Um, <laughs> he goes all Macross on you and shoots all his missiles against you. Then the okay. then the frame rate starts to chug a bit, but I think that is bit because it's a it's a beta. Um, also, another game running on Unreal Engine four, by the way. Oh, and it's all and it's all like um, cell shaded graphics, and it looks really nice. Like it really looks nice. Um, it's still, I mean, it's a, it is a. I don't know if I should say it the way I'm gonna say it right now because I feel like I'm gonna regret <laughs> it and I might piss some people off. But the animations are so like a Japanese developer animation, like they're kind of at least for the character animation they're kind of stiff but it works for the mechs because they're mechs you really feel yeah. you really feel the weight of your mech when you're hovering or boosting around which also by the way it's really fun to boost around in the mechs um and when you're on foot you're basically powerless i mean i know that because yeah, you can you can't get out of the mech in the de in the demo you well you can get out of the mech but not I haven't tried getting out of the mech voluntary, uh, voluntarily, okay. so I don't know if you can do that. But if your mech takes too much damage, you can you do have to jettison out of there before it explodes, so that okay. you can go on foot. But at that point, you have like a pea shooter that you can charge up, and yeah. and the last thing <laughs> okay. that I played is Undertale. So, like I said before, they also shadow dropped Delta Rune, or at least the pre-order for Delta Rune which is coming out um, the 28th of this month. And I haven't played Undertale yet. I have it on PC, and I started, and I played for like 30 minutes. And then I was like, I don't get it. But now I want to play Deltarune, because people have been talking about Undertale for like years and years, and how great that is, especially if you're like an, uh, um, a, uh, what do you call it again? If you're a Earthbound fan, then Undertale is like for you in terms of like art RPGs, and it kind of is because the the battle system is really weird. And right now I'm playing basically passive road, so I'm not attacking anything, and I'm just sparing all the enemies, which is a lot. It's not as hard as I thought it would be, but the story is like really weird. The characters are really fun. There's like this skeleton that tries to catch you and then you end up befriending him which is really hilarious because he's like i'm gonna catch you girl but you know that he doesn't want to catch you anyways and yeah like the story is weird it's whimsical uh the gameplay is weird and whimsical and that's kind of that's only that's kind of what i can say it looks like an 8-bit rpg jrpg so uh, if you haven't checked yeah, out, I hadn't seen this game before. I just checked it's it out. On, it it's on PS4, yet. so if you want to check it out, hey. yeah, and it's also on the Vita, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> so okay, cool. Yeah, that's what. Those are your what you're playing games right yeah, now. Yeah, those are those are the things that I've been playing. I mean, I played a little bit of 
Apex Legend when it came out, but like literally for like mm-hmm. an hour. I really want to try and give it a fair shake, but I think I need to partner up with you for that because I playing with randoms is weird. Yeah. And uh, what is your uh, hidden gem for this week? My hidden gem for this week, very briefly, is a game that I bought when I went to the States for the first time in 2005, which is Custom Robo for the GameCube. Not a lot of people know about Custom Robo. It is a robot battling game. It, it's kind of like... um, It's kind of like if you took Gundam... And made it a minute, and Gundam. and you made it a miniature battler in like a battle arena, like Power Stone. Okay. So you have your robot that you can customize with weapons and armor, and then you go into a four-player battle arena and you duke it out, and last man standing wins basically. But you have to make sure that your loadout is good, your and that your loadout works against your opponent. Otherwise, you'll just hand them the victory. Nice. Yeah. And why is it your hidden gem? Because it's one of those few games that wouldn't exist without Smash Brothers, uh, Smash Brothers Melee, because they had like uh, because they had uh, trophies in Smash Brothers uh, Melee, which had those characters in it with the description of it uh, of the original game that came out on the N sixty four, but only in Japan. So a lot of people are like, like with Fire Emblem, like, "Ooh, this looks cool." Why didn't this come out in the West? And they finally brought it out, at least in the US, the GameCube version. And they haven't brought a game out since. So I'm kind of hoping that people listening to this, if you have a GameCube and if you have a uh, means to play American titles, or if you have an American GameCube or an American Wii, um, pick it up. It's worth it. Like, honestly, it is worth it. It is made by... Um, the same guys that did the Pokemon RPGs on GameCube. So, you know, at least there is some pedigree to their RPG-ness in there. So that's definitely a worth, at least worth checking out. And hopefully Nintendo will be like, okay, let's try it again. Let's bring out a new custom Robo for Switch. Like make it a, da- even if they make it a download title, that's fine. I feel like we need more custom Robo in our it, uh, I'm just looking it up. It kind of reminds me of uh, Power Rangers when you uh, when they assembled into the big robot uh, and the mix of Gundam. Uh, it looks nice. Yeah, it looks nice. At least for a GameCube game. I wouldn't have expected this to come to the Switch. I, I I honestly don't understand why this isn't available on the Switch. Yeah, it's the same reason why people keep wondering why the hell there's no F-Zero since the last one. So. Yeah, I remember those games from back in the day. Those were also nice. Yeah. Who knows? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Thank you for sharing. I'll give it my go. Um, I've been kind of playing the same stuff. I've been playing a bit more Apex Legends. Mm-hmm. Um, Wait, where, the what, funny what, thing what about been, Apex... What have you been playing that one on? Um, yeah, I've been playing a mix. I've been playing it on PlayStation and on PC. And I still just can't get used to it because like, it feels... For, for some strange reason, I like it more on the PlayStation than I like it on the PC. I don't know why. Whereas I'm used to playing on my PC because I'm playing Battlefield as well in between. Yeah. 
um, and then I'm I'm playing that specifically on the PC. So I'm kind of I don't know. I, I I've, I've had days that I've played on the PC. I've had days that I've played on the PlayStation, and I've enjoyed it more on the PlayStation. But yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's because uh, less hardcore. I don't know. Um, we're f they brought out a few updates to fix a few things. There are stories going around now that uh, that characters and weapons have been data mined, so that there's new content coming in. So I'm, I'm curious to see about that. Oh, that's obvious. Um, yeah, besides I mean, Apex. Obvious, logical. Uh, that's, that's logical. Yeah, yeah. And besides Apex, I've been uh, playing uh, some Battlefield. DICE has been bringing out a few patches again. Um, they are... They are Where's like the, Battlefield where, where, going in a good where's, direction? Where's their battle royale coming from? Huh? Firestorm is hopefully coming out in March, as they promised us before launch. Yay! <laughs> um, and to be honest, I am actually looking forward to Firestorm because I I like Battlefield. I'm okay at Battlefield because yeah, you know, I can just yeah, you know, when I play, uh, my kill death ratio is okay and. We generally end up in the top five, so that's okay. And like Firestorm, I think it'll bring like a, a fresh look at, uh, at at Battlefield. They also brought out the combined arms uh, co-op mode. You can play that with four players. Um, the reception hasn't been that great. I played one mission, and it was a kind of a strange mission because it didn't feel really hard. Um, the stories could, I've been seeing you, online is that. Could you elaborate on what what it what it's supposed to be? Yeah, so like I've only played one mission, but Combined Arms is a, um, a either you can play it alone or you can play it with up to four people in co-op and you just have to do certain missions. I played the uh, market mission, which is in Rotterdam, mm -hmm. and I played it by myself. And then you had to kill 20 enemies and then you had to extract. That was basically my mission, which is... Really strange, and you can you can pick your class, and you can customize your weapons. You, your classes and your customization and your progress from the multiplayer transfers over. So, I, for example, just chose my medic, which with my favorite gun and then customization options. Yeah. But it's it's strange that it just felt so so simple. And I don't know if it gets harder if you play it with more people. I know that there are difficulties to select. I just played it on normal, but it feel feels so. I don't know. It it doesn't really fit into the battlefield universe or into the battlefield like it doesn't make sense to have a mode like this in there and the 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 modes being developed by a different team because they have multiple teams developing multiple features or modes simultaneously mm. um so they were working on this before the game came out it's just that yeah it do doesn't really make sense to have a mode like this uh, I, I don't know yeah we'll maybe have to play with some other people to, to get a better look at it but I was kind of disappointed because it looked like a new original mode and then I played it and I'm like, man, okay. After like two or three rounds, I just quit and thought I'll just go back to multiplayer. So I was kind of bummed about that. Yeah, well, that sounds disappointing. Yeah. But and then, uh, but then yeah. here comes the integrate. So I'm assuming that people are still playing multiplayer on Battlefield Five, Like at least at a level where you can always find a match. Um... Yes, but oh boy, and that's an issue I've had with Battlefield like since day one, is that I always use the server browser to pick my custom servers because there are like specific maps I want to play. There are a few maps in there I just don't like, and um, they don't do rental servers now, so you can't have like custom servers running the same mode. I remember with Battlefield Four, you can just play, you could play, uh, still you can play like Siege of Shanghai, which is one of the popular maps. Mm -hmm. 
24-7 conquest. It just keeps on going with specific rules like no RPGs or no grenades or stuff like that. And those options aren't available in this Battlefield game. So like when I go to the server browser option, it either doesn't show me enough servers. It either shows me servers that are full, so I'm always in a queue, or it shows me servers that are empty. Yeah. So I usually have to pick the, the the quick join option, and then it's just like a mystery in which kind of, which map I will be deployed. But even then, there it takes a while to get into a match. Whereas EA has announced that there are a lot of players playing it, I just don't know if their matchmaking isn't isn't up to it or not. Okay, I mean, well, that depends, right? I mean, if they like, what is it based on? Is it based on worldwide? Like, are the service world? I'm assuming that the servers aren't worldwide because that would be weird. Uh, you can choose it. Like I've filtered it on regional and said I want to play in European servers, yeah. but you can participate in, in US servers or Asia servers. Um, but for example, in the server browser, it's just, it's not as much as I would have wanted. It's strange. It doesn't, yeah. I, I didn't play Battlefield um, 1 on PC. I played that on um, on PlayStation and I used the same quick join feature there and it was generally it was super fast there. So I'm a bit surprised with this one. Okay, then I'm curious to see what happens in March because if that mode launches and there's not enough people to support it or even get a match starting, then what you gotta do? Uh, like the only thing uh, I can imagine right now is if they, like, if they decide to rip that part out of the game and make it free to play. Kind of like they did with Fortnite. Could be. I mean, be. Fortnite yeah, did the same be. thing. Right, because you have to save the world mode and you have the battle royale mode and the battle royale mode is the only free part. It's also the only thing that is available on like mobile and Switch, right? Because you don't have the save the, yeah. the save the world feature is not on Switch at all. You know what the fu- the funny part is about save the world? When they first announced um, Fortnite, they said that uh, save the world would be free. So like it would come out the year after and it would be free. And then the a year passed and they said yeah yeah we're gonna bring it out next year and it's gonna be free but if you want you can get like an early access and then they brought out the battle royale which was free to play and it like took on life of its own and i believe people still have to pay for save the world now save the world isn't that great because i've seen reviews but it's funny that they like initially promised that it was going to be a free mode and people still have to pay to play that mode and that's kind of strange because it's also a co-op mode um, a horde mode esque something. Yeah. I haven't really played it, but uh, it kind of looks something that you would want to play with your friends. But yeah. Mm. Oh, we'll see. My last game I'm playing right now is um, is Anthem. I'm uh, I'm I bought a month of uh, EA Access Premier or whatever it's called, like the 15 bucks, and you can then play the game as much as you want instead of the the 10 hours you can play if you pay the cheaper one. <laughs> um, I've I've. And this is funny because I didn't know this, but um, I complained about the controls on PC and yeah. I'm playing this on PC. Yeah. And so the other day I had like a epiphany in which I thought like, I know that there is a way to plug in my PlayStation controller and then download a program and then use my PlayStation controller on the on the PC. So I asked a friend of mine who was like uh, an Xbox fanboy or he knows everything about Microsoft. So I said like, hey man, um, if I plug in my Xbox One controller, will it work on my PC? And he looked at me. He's like, "Really? Are you seriously asking me these questions?" I said, "Well, I don't know. You know, I've never done this. So, uh, yeah, can I?" He said, "Of course you can. And probably when you plug it in, the game will automatically identify the controller and have its own uh, PC uh, controllers for the uh, 
keys. And I'm like, how did oh, you not cool. know so this? I don't know. I've Dude, never used Microsoft a controller has been on a doing PC. This since Why would Xbox I? 360. I use my Xbox. Like, when I'm... I play on my PC, it's the Xbox 360 controller I'm using. I'm not like. Ex- with, I've never like, with, used with the some controller on the PC. I always use my Xbox 360 controller on my PC. But like, I've had never. I never had a reason to do it because. I always use a mouse and keyboard on PC. And this is one of those first moments in where I thought, yo, this control scheme sucks. But anyways, <laughs> it really plays nice uh-huh. with an Xbox controller. Yeah. And the funny thing is, I canceled my PlayStation pre-order for Anthem. And that has multiple reasons. The first reason is, is like, hey, I'm fine with paying 15 bucks and then playing Anthem for a month and then finding out if the game will stick or not. Yeah. Because that's the same thing that I had with Destiny 2. I bought Destiny 2 on PlayStation, and after the first month, I didn't touch that game anymore because there wasn't enough to do after the game's launch. Um, people are starting to hit that level cap now. Um, I'm not there yet. I'm level 12, I believe, and there are like 30 levels. Running Anthem? Um, yeah. So Really? People are already um, hitting the level cap? I played the other day, and there were people that were level 26, 27, and apparently you can finish the story at around level 26, 27. Okay. Um, so yeah, I was, I was, okay, like I was getting to that point that we're like, okay, I'm, I'm glad I canceled my pre-order and I just paid 15 bucks to see if I'm going to play this in a month. Yeah. Um, the second part is, is like, yeah, friends of mine only bought it on the PC. So indirectly you're forced to play it on the PC as well. If you want to play with them as well. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I, I, yeah. From a PC point of view, the graphics are nicer on the PC, so I can just run it nicely. Um, there is a tutorial in there. It is a pretty clear and explanatory tutorial at the beginning. Really? I like is there that. Now? <laughs> uh, I, to be honest, I like the game. I, it doesn't match up the hype that it's getting for me, mm-hmm. but it like it feels solid. There's still a day one patch that's gonna come out on launch day because. The game hasn't officially released, so the 22nd, this Friday, there's going to be a day one patch which is going to improve a few things, yeah. so we'll have to wait for that. Um, I like it so far, but what I am doing is, is that I'm playing the game by myself deliberately instead of playing it on the with friends because I mentioned this before, that with these kind of games, I kind of miss out on the story because you're doing so much and people are talking into your ear and then the game's dialogue is also running, so... Um, I, I choose deliberately to not play it with friends so I can at least get to know the story and know what's happening. And the fun part about this is you get matched made into every mode or every stuff you thing you do. So you're playing with four people. You just can't communicate with those four people if you don't want to, which I don't. So at least I can get to know the story. And after this, we'll just have to see. Um, so yeah, so... so I have mixed feelings about it. I'll just have to play it a bit more. I like where it's going. I just don't have that, oh my God, this is something I've been waiting for two years for and it's matching that and ah. It's (laughs) it's not that. It's like, okay, yeah, I really like this game and I've been waiting for it and there's nothing else to play. So I need something to bridge the gap till I get to the division, which we'll talk into about a bit. That's Um, a dancer of response, yeah. Yeah, and um, yeah, moving on to my hidden gem. My hidden gem is um, Sleeping Dogs. I don't know if you ever played the game. I did. I have it on Steam. Yeah. 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 So the no, I, I what I no, love. I have of, it on yeah. Steam and I have it on PlayStation Plus. Okay, play, so I'm not the only yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Sleeping Dogs is the only game that I bought on the PC, that I bought on the PlayStation Three, 
and I also bought on the PlayStation 4. And I love that game because Did it's you pay full price for it three times. No, I just bought them all three when they were in discount. Oh, okay. That, that, that's yeah. that, that, but that's, like I bought the game on three platforms. That, that's slightly more redeemable. Because <laughs> if you bought them yeah. all three at full price, I would be like, okay, like this this, this session is over. <laughs> but what I love about what the game is basically around this is you play as a uh, as an undercover cop, which is called Wei Shen, mm. and um, you are t- your mission is to infiltrate a triad organization in Hong Kong, and a few of those people you know from when you were a child. You in your in the game you find out that like you moved to uh, America when you were little, and then you moved back eventually, and stuff happened and. Um, you're now a cop and you need to infiltrate your childhood friends' gang, to put it that way. Um, it is uh, it, the, the game was initially going to be part of the true crime uh, yeah, from the true franchise, franchise, which... Yeah, that, yeah and eventually that, that, spinned it off into that, their own. That game has like the, probably one of the more interesting histories of like in terms of development, how it, how it came to be, how it eventually became Sleeping yeah. Dogs... It's really interesting. I think there is, I mean, that there's multiple articles about it and like YouTube videos about it. You should totally look it up because it is in, it is interesting. And the and here's the crazy part: the game's good. <coughs> I love the game. Otherwise, I wouldn't have bought it three times. <laughs> <laughs> it also has a good voice cast. There are some pretty famous people uh, in the game. I believe that Emma Stone is one of the one of the voice actors in the game. Yeah, and. Um, the the main character is also a known actor and um there's a police commissioner which is um i forget his name he plays uh, carmine falcone in the dark knight trilogy which is he's also like a famous british actor i believe so they have a good voice cast and there's a lot of stuff to do the 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 environment is varied the funny part is, is it's more of a martial arts free roaming open game yeah. than like a a shooter because Yes, you can pick up weapons and shoot with them, but it's more focused on the on the on the on the, on the, on the brawling, it. yeah, on, yeah, on the on the brawling on the martial arts. And there's like there's a deep system behind it. You can discover new moves, and there are, there are RPG mechanics in it. I there's some free running in it. Kind of feels like it. Kind of feels like like Yakuza, like if you if if yeah you yeah Yakuza on steroids. You, it's exactly that. If, you, minus the transitions because the enemies are roaming and like there's no transitions like, yeah if, if you fight you fight the visuals are really nice especially if you like if uh, especially if you go for example to uh the market market looks really lived in and ryan green g and like shady stuff is going on all the time which it probably is and it is a really pretty game it's a really pretty game. The yeah. gameplay is really fun. Like just the the brawling in it, the running feels good. It it it's a solid game. It's just a shame that it 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 had multiple shots to be to get the recognition that it deserves, and I feel like it didn't because people had weird expectations for it, and also again because of the history behind it. So. I feel that that game needs it. Like I agree with you. It is totally a hidden game. It, it is a hidden gem, and it totally needs its shot in the sunlight. Definitely. Like the the the, the unfortunate thing is, is they 
They there were plans for a sequel, and then instead of doing that, they kind of made off a spin-off multiplayer game called Triad Wars. Yeah, I heard but about that. But the game never really, really actually came out. It was more of a it was in a beta state, and you could play it. And eventually, it got canceled in t- t- 2015. So, which is yeah, it's kind of a bummer because if they if they maybe didn't do the multiplayer stuff and actually worked on a second game, I think that would have been better. I still have hopes that they're going to do a second game because it really was a good game, you know? Yeah, yeah, it was. Totally. Yeah. All right. Anyways, that's it for me right now. Um, do you have anything, any final words? Uh, I think we're good. Um, let's take a quick break. Um, have people catch their breasts of all those awesome games that we talked about. And <laughs> let's regroup for the third segment. Cool, we'll be right back after this. Cool, welcome back everybody to our last segment. In this segment, we're going to talk about uh, my impressions of the Division 2 beta. Did you get a chance to play it, uh, Max? Yeah, so... You were so kind enough to send me a invite for the Division 2 beta, uh, the closed beta. And what, ha- what ended up happening is I requested the code and it took them like two days to finally get me the code. And when I finally got the code, I had to work. Oh. And the next day I was at my parents because it was my dad's birthday. So Happy birthday, I had yeah, like zero time to actually... Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> So I had like zero time to even try and play it. By the time I got home, the beta was oh, over. So no, I haven't I haven't been able okay. to play it. Well, at least I put in a lot of hours. So uh, we can at least talk a bit about that. Yeah, so how was it? Um, Did you play the first division? No. Okay. No, I have yet to play the first division, but I might, I don't know. I might still pick it up because now it's like on Steam, like for like on sale constantly for like 10 bucks. So I just I might have to try and pick yeah. it up then. Yeah. Um, so for like yeah, I, uh, the people that don't know, how, like I I I get what like I get what the division was about from like the previews and the reviews and like okay. people playing online and playing and like watching stuff on the on a live stream. Okay, it's good like that. So I I know what it's about. Yeah. So in in the division two, you play in Washington D.C. I believe it's a few months after the events in the the first division. The first one was in New York in the winter, and now we're in Washington D.C. The government has collapsed and um, like it's total chaos. Um, It's a bit. I believe it's in the summer. This time around, and you start again again with your division agents that are trying to save humanity or restore order to this, the, the country. Um, I play, there were like a few main missions and a few side missions you could play. And my initial impressions like from the start was that the game looked better than the first one because there's more variety in the environment. There's like uh forage forest like stuff like that like there's greeneries everywhere instead of just snow 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 or yellow bags or whatever like that you have more of an idea that there's being that there's more life on the streets you didn't have really have that idea in the first division uh so when walk it's more it's it's more yeah yeah there's more there's more more to do and the, the world's more alive um, one of the first missions you get to play is that the White House is under attack and you need to uh, fend off an attack of the White House. 
And then when you do that, the White House becomes your base of operations, as they call it. So And then you become the president of the United yes, States. Yes, then you've seized power and you're <laughs> and it was all part of your plan. But uh, <laughs> um, so you fend off the attack and then it becomes your base of operations. And there you have like your vendors and you're, you're, you can get missions from there and you can upgrade it. So like it has some progression there as well. And then this time, this time around, you have things called settlements, which are like um, mini base of operations in a way. So you, there's one called the theater, and then you go there and you get missions there. And then when you complete certain missions, you can recruit people from there, which will go to your base of operations and enable certain features. Like when I completed one of the missions in a theater, I got a, I recruited a person that allowed me to craft items, so I could craft weapons oh, cool. or I could craft attachments, and like they've completely revamped the game this time around it's it's a lot better than the first one because in the first one you had like um attachments you could put on your weapons and then those attachments would have different kind of stats um but yeah. then for example what i would often do is when i got a new weapon which was better i would just take off all the attachments of the previous one and put them on this one and it was kind of a hassle and now they've brought it made it more simple so like Attachments have uh, pros and cons, to put it that way. So they're like a buff and a debuff. And then um, you can use one attachment on multiple weapons. So it's not like, oh, I have it once and I could put it on one weapon. So that's kind of nice. So like you can unlock a grip or craft a grip and use it on 10 weapons if you like, which makes it easier. You can can vary more between your weapons because in the first one, I would just stick to two weapons or like specific weapons. And now I've played with a variety of weapons. Um, same goes for armor, for example. They completely revamped armor. In the previous one, you had like uh, you, you just had your health bar, and then armor would mitigate damage. And now you actually have like your health bar, and on top of that, you have these small squares, which are your armor plates. And if your armor gets damaged, you have to swap out the plates to get your armor back. Oh. That's kind of cool. Um, so that works as your. Is that like is 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 that inst- is that instant when you do that, or is there an animation attached? There is an animation attached. So you like you have to keep one of the good. I believe it's R three. You have to keep keep a button pressed, and then in a few seconds it pulls out his uh, armor plates. It grabs a new plate from his backpack and it shoves him back into his vest, and then you see your uh, armor bar uh, regenerating. So that's kind of cool, and it kind of works as your health pack. So you don't have health packs anymore. You have these armor plates you can pick up. Um, so that's. So what happens to your health when that starts to decrease, or is it, or your basically your character is not like a bullet sponge? I'm assuming so. Basically, when all your health plates are gone, then that's yeah. So it. when the uh, it's just like when the armor plates like when that bar is depleted, it starts to bite into your health, and your health like it drops really quick because. It's like the bullets are tearing through your flesh, to put it that way. So you, you can die really easily that way. So that's why you have those armor plates. Yeah. Um, so that's right. cool. And it's funny that you should mention uh, bullet sponginess because in the first division, the, the, the big criticism was that a lot of the enemies were bullet spongy. You would like have to empty clips and clips and clips or magazines into um, enemies before they would die. And they've really have improved that this time. So there's like enemies aren't really bullet, bullet spongy this time. And... You have, okay. That's yeah, and you have like elite enemies which um, are a bit more bullet spongy, but they kind of explain because they have like armor plating. So if if you shoot at, for example, their chest long enough, their armor plating breaks, 
and then you can rip through them and then you certainly see their health dropping. So like it has a more of an explanation behind it and it makes more sense like, okay, hey, if he has armor, it's normal that it's going to take a bit more shots than uh, normal. So they really did well on that. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, what else? What else? The um... uh, So I, at least from from E3, they, they had this demo where they were showing off the... Um... I guess what you would call a morality, like a morality system style thing, where you could go either or way, and that that expands on the storyline on how that goes and how people interact with you and how the environment changes around you. Is that something that were that was visible in the in the in the beta? I didn't really notice anything about that. So, um... or, or at least were there missions that that you could see, like, oh, if I do this let's see what happens when I do this or um, like did it pose any like morality choices for you during this? No, not really. Not that I could remember. Like it was pretty black and white. So you could just like, they would just give you a mission to, Hey, go, go do this. And then you would just go there and do that. It's not really that you had any choices, which is kind of bummer because it would have been nice to have those. But from what I could see in the beta, it's like pretty straightforward, black and white. You need to do this, go there, do this. Um, but the fun part was, is that because the world's more alive, um, where while I was on route to a certain area to do a mission, I would find these world events, to put it that way, such as an execution or hostages being, uh, being taken or um, propaganda speakers you needed to turn off or... Um, I don't know if they're called strongholds, but there were like these enemy occupied. So you have to see this, like the map is divided up in zones and every zone has minor, small missions in those zones besides the side and main missions. Yeah. And there's also like a, a stronghold-ish stuff, which is generally occupied by the enemy. So you'd have to retake that. And if you've done every, all those things and you also get your, um, you would have your uh, shade tech, as they call it, which is like these, uh, which is like a currency you need to upgrade certain skills or to unlock certain skills. Um, you would have to do like stuff in those zones to take that zone over, and then you would get like a mini settlement in that zone, and that settlement also needed upkeep, so it needs like food and water and components. Um, so it's more like that. You're actually, it feels more that you're rebuilding the world instead of just. Yeah. Um, doing a mission and I would generally get a lot of distracted between those things and I would just do those smaller things and just like kind of see the progress instead of just walk to my mission do my mission and it's like oh yeah it's on to the next mission and even when you explore for example I had a few moments in where I just thought like let me just branch off the path here let me just explore a bit I would go into certain areas I would just go on the ground or I would go um, in this abandoned base and I would find new weapons so like there's a lot to do in this one and compared to the last one. There's more of variety, more freedom, and you get rewarded for your curiosity a bit. All right. Okay. Yeah. Um, so uh, how's the gameplay feeling? So it, it, does it feel the same as it did in Division and the original Division? Or like did they tighten, tighten up some mechanics? Did they change mechanics? Yeah, so uh, some of the... Um, things they did was that they made more refinements to the to certain systems like in the previous one you had uh, uh, skills you could assign to your shoulder buttons so you could for example have a, a like a, a secret grenade 
you could just uh, normally drop it and then it would automatically search out a target and then blow up in that person's face. So now, for example, oh, yeah, cool. yeah. <laughs> and now you can, for example, <laughs> you can drop the secret mine next to you and you can just look at an enemy and you could say, you know what, I want you to hit uh, the one in front of me. And then you would just hit R1 and then the secret mine would hit him instead of just a random enemy. Um, and yeah, and you could, for example, you have a drone that can heal you. But if you're playing together with friends, you can also say, you know what, go heal my friend. And it would just fly over and heal him. Um, you can also upgrade these uh, these skills. So, for example, the the the, the, the grenade had like a, an air burst, so it would just go towards an enemy, and then it would just shoot up these um, like incendiary rounds, and then a whole area would be on fire. So you can also upgrade those. Oh, um, yeah, that's pretty nice. And then also like with the skills, you have these live um, like these minor skills such as carrying an extra weapon or carrying more ammo, or carrying more armor plates that you can unlock with Shade Tech, which is kind of the currency. In the first division, you had these same sort of skills, but they didn't really, you didn't really notice the impact of these skills. And now you can like the, specifically choose like, okay, I want this skill first, because I'll, I'll, I'll need a second gun, or I want to have more LMG ammo on me. Okay, let me pick this skill. So those skills make a more of a difference. You actually feel the impact that it's having. Um, as okay. for yeah, combat mechanics, they've like made it easier. You can there's an option to turn on like I believe the free running so that you don't have to. When you run towards an object, um, you can press X I believe, and then you enter into cover. And then when you want to um, run over it, you have a different button. But when you're for example running in a direction and you would just want to jump over all the objects, you have to press buttons. And now you can like turn on an option that it automatically does that for you, which is kind of nice. Uh, Oh, that's yeah, really cool. and they also expanded like more of the end game. So when you le reach level thirty, you have a uh, specialization, as they call it. So you can either specialize in a ranged character, and then you get this big ass Barrett fifty cal super strong sniper rifle, or you can <laughs> get uh, a grenade launcher, or you can get uh, a crossbow. Sort of like certain specializations you can branch out into, which will affect the end game as well. And you could also play the end game in this one. So you had like a few um, missions that you could rank up to level seven, I believe. But you could also yeah. switch out to a level 30 character, which is with a specialization and then do an end game mission. So you can get a feel of how that was, which was really nice. All right, yeah. cool. So um, I know that in Division 1, you had these raid-like events called the Dark Sounds. Yeah. Was that in the was that in the close beta? Yeah, as well? you had uh, one dark zone you can go into, and then um, one of the dark like with these with this division they've said like, oh I think they're gonna bring a package to my door, so I might have to like be right back. Okay, so let's pause this cool. real quick, and we'll be right back, people. you everybody for hanging in with us there i just uh, had a package uh, that was dropped off so i had to unfortunately take that in so uh, i kind of didn't need to say that man i i could have just put in like a real quick thing in there and there's like bing done right oh yeah well, <laughs> at least now people know that i take packages yay <laughs> yes send all your packaging needs to sean templar at sean templar.com 
<laughs> Worldwide shipping in 24 hours. <laughs> so anyway, we were talking about uh, the dark zone, I believe, in the division. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so what they've done this time around is that there are uh, three dark zones and um, one of the dark zone gets invaded every week or occupied every week, as they call it. Mm -hmm. And then there's no normalization being applied because now when you enter the dark zone in a normal one, all your gear gets normalized. Yeah. So there's no difference. And then you can still go rogue. And the rogue mechanic is that you can start to decide to make it like a PvP environment. Um, and they've also added um, rogue benefits this time. There's like a uh, rogue thieves den, something like that, which I encountered. And then the more rogue activities you perform, the higher your rogue counter as in the time became. And then you would get access to this thieves den, which you, where you could find gear. Um, in the beta's case, I think there wasn't a lot of gear. There was like one small box and I really couldn't get anything from that mm -hmm. but they said that in the full game they're gonna offer like rewards for when you go into this den um as for the invaded dark zone or the occupied one their normalization is turned off so then your gear stats really start to play in and count with the game so then it really becomes a bit more like the division one um there are also more tougher enemies there i understood because um when you reach the level cap there is a a faction called the Black Tusk, I believe, uh, which is uh, kind of like the, the, the battalion one from the first division, which invades the game. So you can play the, the missions again, but then with a difficult faction. Mm -hmm. um, and then there's a bit more variety and stuff in the, in the missions as well, because they have, for example, these unmanned uh, drones and these unmanned hounds, which have like 50 caliber machine guns on their back. So they there's a bit more difficulty in the enemies you have to encounter. They have like these um, EMP jammers, which block your skills. Mm. So you have to change up your tactics a bit, which was uh, which was really nice. And also in the dark zone this time, you have um, in the previous one you had contaminated gear, so you would have to um, extract your gear through a helicopter and stuff like that. And yeah. with this one, you also have uncontaminated gear. So you can sometimes just pick up the gear and equip them directly and use them. And then the contaminated gear is a bit more higher tier, more rewardy loot, which you still have to extract. Okay, cool. Yeah. And also with Dark Zones that I noticed is like they've made it more accessible because the when you unlock the first Dark Zone, there's more of an um, exploration mission. So you have to head into the Dark Zone and you get to explore the Dark Zone a bit so you have to unlock nodes or you have to fire up the generators. Like you have to move through certain areas to get a lay of the land. And you have to do like a mission in there to get to the full potential of that uh, dark zone. But that way you like gradually get into it instead of just entering the dark zone, not knowing what's going to happen and getting killed by all sorts of people. So that's kind of nice. All right. Cool. Uh, wow, that's, that, that is a lot. Uh, one more thing before we uh, before we wrap all this up. So, how many hours um, would you say did you spend on the closed beta? I think two days. So, like all in all, maybe ten hours, twelve hours, something like that. Okay, okay, that's that's pretty decent. Yeah, and there is a lot to do in the in the private beta. They also announced an open beta, which is coming out March first, which I will um, be attending. 
Well, I, I hope you will. Maybe we can uh, play together. Uh, what I love about this division is like they, they really learned from the first one. And they've said this multiple times, but they're really focusing on endgame. They're saying like endgame content is something that we, we started from day one with instead of like doing it as an afterthought. Um, you're also going to get eight player raids, which wasn't a part of the first division. There you had um, incursions, which were four player kind of raids. Um, so they've said they're going to do raids this one. Um, so that that's really cool. And they're like, they're refining certain systems, but they're not afraid to like either kill certain systems from the previous one or to revamp it completely. Um, so that's really nice to see. You know, you have a bit more variety in the weapons as well. So that makes it all in all a bit more fun of experience. Yeah, like I have this game on pre-order um, and I don't think I'm going to cancel this one because like this beta really left a good impression on me. Like with the Anthem okay. beta, I yeah. had like a, a mixed feeling. Mm. But with this one, it's like, okay, this is really confirming what I what I thought and hoped it would be. And they said that the content's going to be the same in the open beta. So I think I'll just jump in that one and play it all again because it's yeah, it's just does it it's transfer? Nice does it transfer the information from the closed beta to the open, or is it like a reset no. on the server? Okay, so they reset the server. server. Okay, 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 okay. Yeah. All right. Oh, cool. Uh, it sounds exciting. Um, for yeah. one, looks interesting. I I really hope we'll get to play some uh during the public beta. Uh, uh there was something on my mind actually about this, and I kind of forgot now. Yeah. Doesn't matter. No, there's um, unfortunately not a Switch version. No, no, the, yeah, it's not. It's not that. It was something more about, um, like, yeah. So here's the thing. Like basically, what you comment with, with like they learned from their mistakes, which is exactly what you want from a sequel, right? Mm-hmm. You want the developers to learn from like the stuff that worked and the stuff that didn't work from the first game, and it seems as though that. Even more so than Bungie did with Destiny 2, they are really trying to focus on the multiplayer aspects post-game and trying to MMO-fy it, if, if that is even a term. Um, to, <laughs> they're, they're trying to make it more of an MMO kind of feel, at least from the way you're describing the endgame content, because with MMOs, it's not about, it's not about the journey that you make to the end. It's be it, it's about what comes after it, the raids, the high level yeah. raids, stuff like that, the loot. That's what it's about. And if Ubisoft can pull that off with the division two, I think they have, um, like you said before in uh, in episode one, a game that will last them for at least the next couple of years, at least until the the next gen Xbox uh, console and PlayStation uh, next gen PlayStation comes out. So. And maybe even beyond that, who knows? If yeah, so, you know, if they play, if they play it, if they play their cards right. I've I've said this uh, in like previous episodes. So like, to be honest, I think Ubisoft is the only publisher at this moment which just has really nailed the live service aspect. Because, um, for example, the Division One still is being is getting weekly maintenance, and they they supported the game through last year i believe i don't think they did anything this year as in new content but they added a lot of content in the last few years yeah. um they're doing that with their other games as well like for honor is getting a lot of content i read the other day that season 4 is starting on rainbow six siege which is kind of insane i mean like they're bringing out like one of those season passes every year and people are buying them and they're adding valuable like 
good content to those games. So I think that Yubi is the only one that kind of nails this. The only issue that I've had with Yubi on all of their live service games, and I think this one might be the, finally the one that doesn't do that, is that they bring out the games in a semi-broken state and then they fix the game in with patches <laughs> and it's it yeah it's kind of like they deliberately do it so they can kind of like win goodwill with the, with the community by getting this yeah but the, the and the, i'm gonna get grab rockstar as an example as well because like what they do is is they bring it out in a state that mechanics are broken or that you feel that the game isn't finished and then the patches that come out fix this or they for example for the, the division they had the something they called the the joint ta something like a task force they would invite people from the community over up to sweden to the studio so that they could give their feedback so they can hear new ideas and provide feedback on that and so they could have input and there were people that were these influential YouTubers. I hate that word, influencer. <laughs> uh, there was the there were YouTubers that made a lot of videos about the divisions who had like actually knew a lot about it. But there yeah. were also just fans that could be flown up to uh, Sweden and they could provide things. So that's something they did really, really well. Wow, um, okay. But it kind of feels like, and that's what what I want to go with the Rockstar one is that they do it to generate goodwill. So like they only, they already have the fix. They just need to create this moment in which they look like a company that's listening. Because, for example, with when Red Dead Online came out, the um, you really had to grind for the resources. You really had to yeah. grind to get the gold bars. And a lot of people were complaining and saying, hey, um, the price you have to pay for these weapons or unlocks are insanely high. You have to pour immense time in it or you can just shortcut your way through it and and do a microtransaction yeah and then people i read an article and they said like what rockstar is probably going to do is with the next patch that's going to come out they're going to drop the prices of those unlocks or they're going to reward you more or they're going to give you more and then what people will say is like oh they listened to us we complained <laughs> about this and they listened to us and look how amazing rockstar is they actually listened to us we feel appreciated we feel heard and i feel like a lot of developers are kind of doing that or going that way and that's why I, I have this feeling or hope at least that the division two is going to avoid this all because they've learned from their mistakes and it looks like it's shaping up they said that the that the single player or at least the initial campaign is going to be between the 30 and the 40 hours which is mm -hmm. amazing right. and then they said the end game is going to make it even better so we'll just have to wait and see it comes out in uh this in march um so we'll just wait and see we'll probably hear us more about it when it comes out all right cool yeah all right um yeah i think those that's all the questions that i have for you in terms of the in terms of the, the division two uh do you have anything that do you have any closing arguments about division two no i'm like i would encourage a lot i would encourage everyone to, to play it when the the private the open beta is available i, th I don't think you're going to get disappointed try to play it with friends because that only makes it more fun and try to like explore all the facets from the game just go explore out and just you know you'll you'll know what i mean when you actually play it and you start to notice like hey i mean i'm getting rewarded for my curiosity so just just play it. Mm, cool. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, this has been our fourth episode of uh, Game Rivals. Uh, I hope you all of the other Game Rivals uh, enjoyed our banter uh, this week. Uh, you can uh, find us uh, or anywhere that our podcasts are available. We are on Anchor. 
We are on Spotify. We are on Apple Podcasts. We are on Google Podcasts. Um, you can find the podcast's Twitter feed on at game underscore rivals underscore. Uh, you can find Green me. Twitter handle. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna explain the Twitter handle every week, so let it go. No, I know, let I it know. go. Um, let you can find go. me on at Maximilian. If you want to tweet at me, if you agreed with my views, if you didn't agree with my views, you can also leave us a uh, message if you are on Anchor. So please feel free to feel a, uh, feel free to leave a voice message. Uh, for us, uh, maybe one of these times if we have some messages, we'll actually address them on the podcast. Uh, we'll maybe even answer some questions if you send them our way. Um, and I guess that's it. And until two weeks from now, uh, would you check, take us out, Sean Templar? Cool. Thank you, everybody, again. Enjoy your time, and uh, we'll hear, we'll see you or hear you again. Bye. Later, peoples.